Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. If you're new, thanks for being here. We're about healthcare. We're about building a new healthcare and exploring the possibilities of that new healthcare here. For those of you who are returning listeners, thanks for showing back up. Thanks for sharing and uh, talking about the show. I wanted to talk to you today about an email I received regarding a piece that I had written back in 2019 about leading patient engagements. So I don't have an interview or anything like that lined up for you. It's just me and my mic. So anyways, the the email I got was regarding how we as clinicians should approach the interactions that we have with our patients from a standpoint of who ultimately makes a decision. Because obviously we don't want to coerce our patients into making any decisions. We don't want to feel, we don't want them to feel unheard or um, pressured into anything. However, at the same time, we are licensed clinical providers. And as such, we're being paid for our clinical experience, our clinical expertise, and our knowledge and insight that we can offer into a patient's situation, if you would. So the original article came about because I was giving a lecture to some students, some grad students that were in an OT department, an OT program. And one student asked the question basically to the effect of, well, what happens if the patient already knows what's wrong with them and they just want you to set up a treatment plan? I think we were talking about setting goals and picking interventions and that sort of thing. And my response was this. I asked, are you a licensed expert clinician or are you a vendor? Are you like a waiter? Are your services and treatment plans, you know, quote unquote, off the shelf or one size fit most? Or do you lead your patients and do you guide them from whatever kind of dysfunction they might be experiencing or negative lifestyle habit and guide them into a healthier lifestyle or a more functional way of living? Most clinicians will respond with something like, obviously, not the former. We obviously develop individualized treatment programs for each patient. And in reality, many clinicians strive for that. We learn in the schools that we go to and the programs we matriculate from the importance of individualized or patient-centered care. And research shows that patient-centered and individualized treatment plans yield better outcomes, clinical outcomes, and patient satisfaction scores. However, at times, clinicians can find themselves being driven by their patients. You know, they either allow a patient's expectations or wants and desires to overly influence the course of treatment. We've all had patients 
like this in our clinic, the, the patients that don't feel like they can do any exercises until they get the heat in the e-stim or the patients that need need ultrasound every time over this muscle because of it's sore or something, or they need you to stretch them or do this manual technique. Sometimes these expectations on the side of our patients or these requests on the side of our patients stems from some sort of poor communication at the beginning or the outset of treatment. The patient's expectations either were not addressed or the guiding clinician, the serving clinician, didn't do anything to frame those expectations at the outset of a patient course of care. And rather than deal with an unhappy patient or a negative online review, the clinician decides to placate the patient just this once. I'll just do e on you this once, or I'll just do ultrasound this one time, or I'll stretch you this time. The problem doing that is that it doesn't necessarily prevent that patient from having a negative experience or leaving a bad review or ending up just dissatisfied with treatment in general. In fact, these patients are more likely to have a negative experience. And the reason I say that is because by allowing them to take the leadership role by dictating to you, the clinician, what was going to happen, whenever that leadership role needs to be take, taken back, they become upset and frustrated. So to prevent this kind of situation from arising in your clinic, the clinicians that are treating patients need to lead the patient relationship and they need to guide the patient as opposed to being an order taker or being a vendor, if you would. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that because what I'm not advocating for is for a very hierarchical, hierarchical approach to healthcare that has the clinician seated at the top and the patient receiving either passive treatments from the, from the clinician or being told what is best for them and dictated to. So there is a balancing act that needs to take place. Obviously, our goal, if we're providing evidence-based and really the effective treatments that will help achieve the outcomes that our patients need and desire, we will be doing some sort of self-management or some active treatment in which the patient or the client is themselves becoming the driver of their own health and well-being. So that is, that is different than this old biomedical model that had the clinician, usually a physician of some sort, at the top dictating to the patient what the treatment plan was going to be. So I'm not advocating for that. What I am advocating for is that clinicians do not abdicate their responsibility to act as guides in this process with the patient. This idea came from a book that I read called The Business of Expertise by David C. Baker. And he describes in the book the differences between what an expert is and what a supplicant is. I love the way he, <laughs> he writes about it. And his main distinction is that experts lead their clients in an engagement. Now, he's a marketer. He's from the, the creative and you know, professional services side of the world or side of the, the economy. So it doesn't exactly correlate over to healthcare, but some of the ideas are very applicable. So when he talks about expert clinicians, he talks about the expert 
leading a client engagement, meaning that they determine the appropriate course of action based off of the entirety of the situation, and then they guide the client through it. So much like in healthcare, the role of the clinician is to hear the patient's symptoms, complaints, hear their story, and then using their own clinical knowledge, understanding, and ex experience, come up with some appropriate options that might help the patient overcome whatever limitation, maybe it's pain, maybe it's range of motion dysfunction, maybe it's a gait instability, whatever it is. Then the clinician sits down with the patient to discuss whatever the problems are and whatever the possible solutions, the range of possible solutions are out there. And then together, the patient and the clinician determine the best course of action given that patient's unique circumstances. However, even in that process, one thing should never change, which is the clinician should guide the conversation. Now, if you contrast that with a non-expert, as per David's definition in his book, they don't guide the client and lead the engagement. They are at the mercy oftentimes of client preferences. And this has obviously happened to many folks in the healthcare field too, where you're at the mercy of your patients, right? Those patients that don't care too much about this exercise or that exercise or this treatment or that treatment, they simply want you to do some, you know, stretch me here or massage this muscle and then see them at their next appointment. What separates an expert or an experienced clinician from maybe a more novice clinician or a clinician that's fallen into that vendor role is that an expert clinician or a clinician that is leading their patients is able to understand the patient relationship, obviously, but they establish themselves as a clinical expert and then they guide the patient through the treatment process. So given the importance of leading patient relationships and leading patient engagements or courses of treatment, it's helpful to assess where you stand. I do this as a self-audit, if you would, because understanding the way you typically handle a patient relationship or a patient engagement allows you to make changes as you may find necessary. I like to say that self-awareness is a fundamental element of providing uh, the utmost quality care because you need to be aware of your areas for improvement and professional or personal development, whether it be interprofessional uh, communication, interpersonal communication, interdisciplinary collaboration, or maybe it's a, a technical skill or something like that. So to help you do this, I've come up with a few questions, and these are from the original article called Do You Lead Your Patients? And I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to go read these questions for yourself. But as I mentioned earlier, most clinicians will say that they deliver patient-centered and individualized care, and they'll even say that they lead the engagement as clinical experts. However, there's a difference between providing patient-centered or patient-driven care, whatever you want to, whatever term you, you find most appropriate, and simply acting as an order taker during the treatment. In fact, as a licensed clinician, I will always tell this to my students at the university or to clients that I teach and, or, or work with, that it's your professional and ethical responsibility to make sure you are intentionally guiding and leading your patients throughout the treatment process. So this helps you reevaluate yourself and your practices uh, to make sure that you're living up to your professional responsibility, 
to direct and lead the patient relationship and plan of care. So here are those questions to ponder, to write down in your notebook, whatever you, your method is for processing, and evaluate whether there is room for improvement or areas that need to be addressed in the way you handle or the way you approach a patient course of care or a patient engagement. So question number one, do you simply run patients through the mill or do you take the time to learn about the unique situation? Now, obviously, this is kind of a provocative question the way it's written, but every patient experiences their injury, their illness, or their dysfunction differently. That's why if you go to episode one of the Better Outcomes show or if you've read the manifesto on the website, step one is taking a biopsychosocial approach to your treatment delivery. So patients can't be reduced to a diagnosis or a set of limitations to be quote-unquote fixed by you, the clinician, right? In order to truly lead or effectively lead a patient or a client in their treatment process, you need to understand that there are many factors at play in their unique situation. Biological, physiological, sociological, even psychological and environmental factors influence your patient's individual circumstances. And in fact, these factors not only affect their symptoms, their progress and engagement in treatment, they also affect their satisfaction with the treatments they receive in your clinic and their retention rate throughout their course of care. So clinicians that lead the patient relationship will take the initiative to understand where their patients are coming from. They take the time to understand the unique circumstances and situations that affect their subjective experience of their illness or injury or dysfunction. So when you take the time to learn those things, the obvious next step or the obvious conclusion that you will come to is that offering run-of-the-mill assessments and treatments simply doesn't cut it. So we need to take a more of an individualized, a truly individualized approach to your treatment service delivery. Question number two is, do you run patients through the exact same exercise program that you run most other patients through, or do you create a treatment plan that's more customized and unique? We've all been there. I came from the outpatient orthopedic world, the outpatient rehab world, where it very much was a productivity-driven environment. And in order to cut down time, in order to be efficient, if you would, every shoulder got the same four exercises. Every you know elbow got these exercises and these stretches as part of their treatment. Because it's easy to fall into that rut where every patient does the same set of exercises because it makes it easier for you as the clinician. All you have to do is modify the reps and maybe grade the activity up and down depending on that patient's ability and tolerance. And in that world where productivity drives the decisions or drives many of the decisions in the clinic and caseload management, it's no surprise that that just is the norm, right? Because we're trying to cut down on our extra time. However, when productivity and efficiency metrics dominate that environment, both patients and clinicians feel the pain. Obviously, clinicians burn out trying to hit productivity numbers and running patients through their cookie-cutter treatment protocols, and patients lose that human or person-to-person experience that healthcare should be. So again, if you go back to episode one of this uh, podcast or if you go to the manifesto, one of the the commitments is to look for a different way of 
evaluating clinician effectiveness. So we don't want to rely on time-based productivity metrics. We need to be focused on something, something else, right? We need to deliver patient-centered care, which means we need to intentionally work to develop a unique and customized treatment plan for our patients. Question number three is, do you let your patients tell you what they want to do or what they want you to do to them during treatment? Now, obviously, we want to hear our patients and we want to understand their requests and, and know what they, what they desire, right? What their desired future state is. But we've all had that one patient. <laughs> that patient that comes in and says something to the effect of, hey, why don't you just put some heat on me and then do some of that massage and we'll call it a day. <laughs> um, first of all, don't get me started on the difference between massage and manual therapy. And I know someone's going to jump out. It's not massage. It's you know myofascial release or something. Whatever. Patients to patients, sometimes it's just give me a massage and call it a day. How do you handle patients like that in your clinic? Many times you may put up an initial fight or an initial objection to statements like that. Then after a while, probably on a bad day when you have patients coming out of your ears and this patient's breathing down your neck about something, you'll give in. You allow that patient to dictate the plan of care to you rather than trying to reframe their expectations and their understanding of what the services you provide really are. So you rely on what your patients want to do rather than what you know they need to do. Now, most of the time, clinicians don't intentionally let patients steamroll them. It just tends to be easier. Like I said, if you got patients coming out of your ears, if you got tons of paperwork to do, sometimes it's easier just to, to deal with that. Sometimes it's easier than having the difficult conversation with patients about why they should do this exercise or participate in this treatment. Because it's difficult if you, if truly, if you don't understand the value you provide, and you can go back to the article that I've written on RehabU's website called Do You Provide Value? Or Do You Understand and Communicate the Value that You Provide to Your Clients? So it kind of falls in that same vein. But it's easier than dealing with patient complaints or negative online reviews or even having that difficult conversation. So if you think about the root of this problem, it often stems from a lack of patient-centered thinking and planning. It stems from not wanting to deal with a patient's opinions or expectations or feelings or you know decisions or choices, whatever it is, because it's easier just to let them do the exercise they want to do, provide the manual therapy that they're asking for, than it is to have a conversation about why they do or don't want a certain treatment and then have that conversation that we all need to have with our patients that reframes their expectations for treatments, that reframes their expectations for a biomedical method of treatment that puts them in the passenger seat to passively receive some treatment from their clinician, which ultimately leads to clinician dependence and increased uh, functional limitations down the line. Now, you can still guide your guide the treatment while letting your patients prioritize their goals. And that's entirely different. And that should be what you're doing. However, the key is to guide or lead the patient and their treatment. This requires sometimes taking the time to understand why they might be asking for a specific treatment over another. 
it requires that you take um, the time to understand their expectations for treatment. What did they expect was going to happen if you haven't had that conversation at the first appointment like I always advocate that you do? Once you understand a patient's motivation or the reasons behind why they might be feeling a certain way, then you can have a conversation with the patient about it. It may require that you provide some instruction or education about the types of treatments that you're providing. Again, going back to the value that you provide and working that into the conversation. Or it might require that you make some modifications to the treatment plan. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to take that leadership role with your clients. And then the last question that I always have patients and clients, or not patients, that I have clinicians do as part of a self-audit is, do you take the time to educate your patient and then collaboratively work to put together a treatment plan that will help meet their goals? So as I mentioned earlier, part of your role as a clinician is to educate your patients not only about their diagnosis, about their limitations, about what the typical prognosis or the expected outcomes are, or the options for treatment even, but it's also your responsibility to frame their expectations for what treatment is supposed to look like or what the valuable treatment that they are receiving from you will be. Part of this does involve answering those questions, but it can also include other types of communication and education as well. You may answer questions, you may ask questions, you may, you know, if you're doing even a behavioral change model and you're going to do some kind of my, uh, motivational interviewing where you're asking probing questions to have the patient come to their own realization of what their priorities are, it's all part of this facilitating. So I always like to say that clinicians are really trying to facilitate an outcome for their patients as opposed to doing something to them to get an outcome for them. So how you explain and educate your patients can also impact their clinical outcomes. It can impact their experience, their engagement in treatment, all of that. After doing whatever kind of initial education you're doing, you find out some of the information for your patients. You can't just stop there. You need to use that information to collaboratively work with your patient or your client to build a treatment plan that will help them meet their goals. So your role as the clinician is to provide the information about treatment, the options available, the probable outcomes, and then work with your patients because your patients have their own set of priorities and goals to determine which course of action is the best option for that individual patient. Given that patients unique circumstances and situation, their goals and their dysfunction or their diagnosis, what is the best and most effective treatment option for them? Now, once you've come, you've come up with that answer to that question, then you can help guide the patient in selecting maybe specific exercises, maybe specific intervention activities or specific treatments uh, to help them meet those goals. However, throughout the process, you're taking the role of a leader or a guide. Your patient may ask you which option you'd recommend, in which case you provide your professional and clinical you know, opinion on it. You may need to provide some more information to help inform their decision. Because again, what we're not wanting to do is here are the options, pick what you want. We want to help our patients from a point of, in a position of understanding their situation and the options available make the appropriate decision. So sometimes that requires that we have 
a little bit more time dedicated to educating or to making sure their questions are answered and they fully understand taking time to understand their points of view and and understanding their situations and their priorities in order to help you know put forward a couple treatment options that are going to be better for them or more appropriate for them but this process results in a treatment plan that you know has a high likelihood of success and that the patient is more likely to be actively engaged in because at the end of the day if the patient feels that you've taken the time to listen to them that you've heard their story that you understand their situation and that you've taken the time to hear what their priorities are, what their goals are, and then you've helped them craft a treatment plan that helps them achieve those goals, they're going to be all about wanting to participate. They're going to see the benefit. They're going to see the applicability to their own lives and their own day-to-day routines, and they're going to be more engaged throughout the treatment process. Now, if you have read them all, or if you're at, on the website right now looking at the at the questions on this article that I'll link to in the show notes, you can see that there's a consistent thread in all of the questions, and that thread relates to the human interactions and experiences of both the clinician and the patient during assessment, treatment, planning, and then treatment execution. As I am very fond of saying, healthcare is a human experience. It is one individual person helping another person who might be experiencing a dysfunction or limitation overcome those limitations and live a healthier life. Part of that human experience involves the social interactions between you and your your client or your patient. It involves intentional relationship forming and role establishment during the treatment planning and the treatment process. In order to provide the highest quality of care, in a way that leads to engage and happy patients, you as the clinician must take the leadership role in that relationship. Now, again, you should be taking the role of almost a servant leader where you're not dictating to the patient, but you're really facilitating in them whatever change, whatever outcome they desire. So that's what I've got on those few questions on leading patient engagements. If you've got any questions on this topic or you want me to talk about it a little more, shoot me an email at rafi, R-A-F-I, at rehabupracticesolutions.com. That's rehab, the letter U, practicesolutions.com. I'd be happy to have another conversation with you about it. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, give us a rating and review, whatever they're calling it these days on the interwebs. It helps people find the show. It helps them hear about what we're doing. If you want to learn more, you can head on over to www.betteroutcomes.show and you can sign up for our email list there. You'll get the, the new episodes delivered right to your inbox. We drop them every other week. So every other week we're dropping an interview and then every now and then you'll get a bonus episode like this solo cast. So you can head on over to betteroutcomes.show to sign up for that. And you can see the list of all the other episodes that we've dropped to date. Until the next episode, guys, be healthy, be safe. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. 
we want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.